1: Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt Miller. Every business day, we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market-moving news. Find the Bloomberg Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com podcast. I want to bring in right now Sheetal Prasad, small and mid-cap growth portfolio manager and equity research analyst at Jenison Associates. Sheetal, here at Bloomberg Radio all day, we've been focusing on what's going on down in Washington, uh, You know, getting some of these bills passed. Do the good folks at Jennison do they care, or are you guys just focusing on what are earnings going to be next quarter, next year, that kind of thing?
2: Hey, guys, it's, it's good to be with you again. And it's actually a really funny question because I, I think for the most part we aren't really – as concerned with it. And I don't know if even the markets are, um, you know, admittedly on our team and we, you know, we're on a morning meeting every single day. We're, we're just not talking about uh, the infrastructure package, the social package that, that DC is talking about. Um, instead, we're really focused on more immediate issues like uh, inflation, interest rates, the supply chain disruptions, uh, Covid and, and you know things even like China and the power shortages there. So, so to your point, um, I think we're focused on, more on immediate term issues that are affecting our investments, um, yeah. and looking forward to what what companies will say on on third quarter earnings.
3: Yeah. So, told as you look at kind of all of these medium term issues that you just listed out, especially the supply chain as we approach earnings season, how is that affecting your investment thesis at this point?
2: it It's a real challenge um you know for pretty much all of our companies across all of the sectors, so you know we at jenison we invest in uh, companies broadly um you know whether it's tech healthcare um industrials or, or consumer. and there is very few parts of the economy that have been untouched by the supply chain issues and I think what we're trying to do um, on our team is really figure out is it really Transitory, as the Fed has suggested it, or is it going to be more persistent? Um, I think what is clear is that um, that the alleviation in, in some of the the supply chain issues, whether it might be labor or um, you know products coming from China, is going to persist for longer. Um, and so, what we're looking at with regard to our investments is um, is the demand environment still strong, and can our companies? You know, mitigate some of these supply chain challenges, still put up decent earnings, and and the hope is that um, the economy just stays you know stronger for longer.
1: And she tell yeah, that's a big topic. That being the uh, supply chain issues, that's a topic that uh, Kaylee and I and Matt, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about, talk to as many and as diverse uh, group of people as we can on this issue. It just feels like a it. boy, it's it's a global issue. Number one, and number two, it doesn't seem to be abating at all. I mean, it's not just microchips, and uh, it's everything, um, and it includes logistics, transportation. How do you guys think about that? Are you are you discounting that this could be a a, a longer, a bigger issue for longer?
2: It, it's a really tough question, and and certainly at the top of mind for everybody. I, I do think that the pandemic has created uh, some near-term and medium-term challenges in that Mm -hmm. uh, things shut down and our economy shifted from a service economy to a more product-oriented economy. And the ability for so many manufacturers across the entire global supply chain just couldn't ramp up fast enough. Uh, Couple that with COVID-related shutdowns, Uh, government stimulus that are, that are impacting labor. We just have a real tight crunch. Now, I think one by one, some of these issues will resolve, um, but it's not resolving at the speed and um, at the pace at which I think most people expected. Um, So I do think that we are expecting that this is going to happen. In the longer term, I do think that, things will resolve, you know, investments in automation, investments in, um, in you know, reshoring, uh, getting supply chains closer to manufacturers. Yeah. All of that will be deflationary at some point, but we just, it's going to be a lot longer than we thought. We're
3: also looking for resolution, as Paul said at the top, on Capitol Hill. And I just, I just want to kind of Pick apart why you aren't interested in infrastructure spending, because coming into 2021, as we looked at those runoff elections in the Senate in January, the narrative was if we get a blue sweep, we're going to get a ton of fiscal stimulus. That's great for domestic stocks like the small caps. So is the small cap thesis not predicated on getting some of that longer term domestic oriented spending?
2: You know, I would say to you that it is a really – the fact that we're very close to getting anything done in Washington is a really positive signal. Um, Having said that – You know, as we just talked about with supply chains, if we do see an infrastructure bill, uh, first of all, you know, a lot of times what happens with many of these funding packages, it 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 takes a while for some of those monies to actually flow down to the local municipalities. So, you know, we might not see the money uh, or, or the economic boost of that at least for some period of time. Um, The other thing I would mention is that some of the things that are actually in the infrastructure package are things that we at Jenison are already investing in, uh, be that 5G, you know, the the broadband, um, you know, electric vehicle charging uh, stations, and just, you know, many different things to, again, bring back uh, manufacturing and supply chains to our, you know, to the U.S. shores. Um, So I, I think what we'll expect, what we expect to see is, the infrastructure would, be a, would help sustain the economic right. growth that we're seeing today rather than boost it, because the truth is we don't have the labor or the materials to yep. actually <laughs> that's, do
1: that's some fair. Of work. That's fair enough. All right, Shatil, thank you so much for joining us. As always, Shatil Prasad, Small Emit cap Growth PM at Jenison Associates.
4: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like,
1: All right, we had a ton of eco data out this morning, and one of the bigger numbers was the ISM manufacturing uh, came in better than expected. Let's break it down with Tim Fury, chairman of the, of the Manufacturing Business Survey for the Institute for Supply Management based in Miami, Florida. So, Tim, good number, good gain from last month. What's your take on the ISM manufacturing?
5: Yeah, thanks, Paul. So uh, another strong month of demand. Demand was you know, really positive uh, in all areas. New orders were good. New export orders were up customer inventory is still way too low, backlog uh, still near record high. So demand uh, just, just continues to, to beat expectations. The production side saw very slight growth, uh, about a half a point, if you combine production as well as employment. Uh, the issue there remains uh, labor headcount at the panelist companies, as well as their suppliers. So the, the big story again for the month is, this is a supply restricted growth environment. We actually yeah. reversed some softening on the supply delivery side, uh, and uh, we also saw prices kind of go up again, too. So,
3: Yeah, demand has never been the problem, and on some of those kind of supply-side constraints, I see the average lead time for materials rose to 92 days in September. That's the highest going back to 1987. Is that (laughs) going to improve anytime soon? What's your sense?
5: Well, I mean, that's driving a lot of other activity, too. Uh, so, you know, some of the things that it's probably doing is probably having an impact, having an impact on the new order levels because hmm. the price is continuing to go up. You're going to try to capture the price today, especially if you're not so confident what's going to happen three months from now. A couple of months from now, uh, there was a belief that, okay, prices are going to soften a little bit, so hold back on your orders until you see it happening. But I think with this reversal here uh, on the on the prices side, you know, people are jumping back in and placing orders at extended lead times. I mean, I'm hearing stories of 52 weeks on semiconductors, wow. uh, six months on steel, and you know who really knows what's going to happen one year from now? So that's the risk to the manufacturing environment is that if things start to soften and you have all these extended orders out there at higher prices, you know, what's going to happen? But none of that's going to happen in the short term here. I think everybody's really positive that things are going to continue as we close the year. Q1 is going to be a strong period. Q2, most likely, too. Uh, the the question still remains on Q on half, two, uh, But I don't think anybody sees a falling off of the cliff of that. So,
1: Tim, it's interesting, though, the labor issue. We, we hear that in so many different industries. But it's one thing, finding it difficult to find people to come in and wait tables and flip burgers. But I'm thinking these manufacturing jobs are, are highly paid, you know, good benefits, um, some unionization. I'm kind of surprised that, you know— manufacturing America is having a labor problem.
5: Yeah, it's a mix. I mean, it's a mix. There's, there's definitely a cadre of uh, direct labor who have long tenure with the company, a lot of knowledge, highly skilled. They're most likely not going to jump for uh, you know a 5% increase down the street, uh, and that's, that's probably not the issue. But there is quite a bit of low to moderate level, uh, skill level labor. Uh, we had 85% of our comments were higher comments again for the month of uh, – of September, forty-seven percent of those indicated that they were having difficulty, which is up twelve points from August, which was a bit of a surprise. Twenty-one uh, percent of those companies claimed, of all the companies, claimed high levels of turnover, being a significant cha- challenge. And and that's that's people jumping for uh, wage increases down the street, as well as what's becoming clear is a lot more retirements than we normally see.
3: And, and finally, just quickly, we know that there's an energy crisis ongoing in many parts of the world. China factories are getting hit by it, and Europe as well. Is there any sign of that becoming problematic here in the U.S.?
5: Well, here we go. Right, petroleum products and natural gas feed into pretty much everything. You can't make steel without energy. Probably twenty-five, thirty percent of the cost of steel is energy. Cement. I mean, plastics is all natural gas. We 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 never we haven't seen crude this high in a long time. Eighty, I think it's like eighty bucks for. Uh, West West Texas Intermediate. Mm-hmm. What concerns me more is natural gas is five fifty to six dollars. That's that starts to eliminate our competitive advantage around the world. Part of that is being driven now by the fact that we don't have enough wells injecting, and we're also exporting quite a bit of LNG to Southeast Asia, that where the right. price is three x. So not very good. I think longer term we got to fix that because that's what makes America really competitive. It's it's very competitive yep. energy prices.
1: Hey, Tim, thanks so much uh, for joining us. I always love a conversation that includes cement and steel <laughs> and all that good stuff. Um, good manufacturing talk for Friday. Timothy Fiore, chairman of the Manufacturing Business Survey at the Institute for Supply Management. They're based in uh, 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 Miami. And boy, we've had some good manufacturing data pretty much all throughout the pandemic. Uh, you know, kind of middle America has been cranking it through. So, uh, some good data there. So, Kaylee, this is day one of the fourth quarter. Uh, a lot of folks are saying, i got to sprint to the dash here to put up some numbers. Abhay Deshpande joins us. He's founder and chief investment officer of Centerstone Investors on the phone from New York City. So, Abhay, if I'm a PM, I'm sitting here October 1. I got three months left to the year. Maybe I'm a little bit behind my my index. What do I do today?
6: Uh, well, that's a good question. I mean, there's, there are so many cross currents. I mean, at Centerstone Investors, we're 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 running the marathon not not the sprint <laughs> so you know we're kind of um taking a, a longer view of things but you know for those people who are uh focused on more of the short term short term is plenty of uh, crosswinds i mean the main thing i think that people are struggling with is um, you know are we, are you, are we about to do this again the economy's uh you know running hot so there was some inflation so the forward-looking numbers are that the economy is going to slow down. It can't absorb the inflation, so it's slowing down. Uh, But the Federal Reserve, are they looking in the rearview mirror or not? In the past, this is basically every single cycle, right? You have the inflation numbers go up, and then the Fed kind of panics a little bit, raises rates, but by then the economy is already slowing down. They turn something (laughs) that should be routine into something more, you know, they create the Frankenstein that ruins the village. So it's it's a lot to process if you're focused on the short term, that's for sure.
3: Okay, but as you say, Abe, you're focused on the long term. So if you're running a marathon – what are your biggest hurdles? Is it, you know, the pulling back of fiscal and monetary support? Is it these kind of supply side issues? Is it just valuations more broadly? What makes you nervous? You
6: know, it it's continues to be the, uh, the unpredictable, sort of the unknowns, right? And part of, I mean, the main uh, sort of driver of these n- unknowns is that um, policymakers feel the need to be, you know, constantly involved if they just do nothing <laughs> i the economy is yeah i mean it in some ways it, the unpredictable part of it is what what are they gonna do next right another couple of trillion or shut down the entire world economy and things are recovering so if you if you if you if we you know we look at things from a, a longer-term perspective i mentioned at centerstone and from a longer-term perspective i mean from a, a value investors uh you know perch uh there's Plenty of value and uh, you know plenty of reason for, to be optimistic. Um, you know, provided that you can sort of uh, assume that there is going to be interference in the in the market economies for some time, but the economies seem to be uh, strong enough to, to withstand it.
1: All right. So, with a longer term perspective, Abe, are you guys at Center um, uh, Centerstone? Are you more thinking I'm sticking with the long term top line growth stories, tech, healthcare, things like that, or are you playing maybe maybe a little bit longer reopening trade on a, from a global perspective?
6: Yeah, I'd say, it, it, I mean, if you had a bucket, it's definitely not in technology. Um, I think that area of the, of the market is very expensive, maybe justifiably so. It's not really what we do. It's not our expertise. But mm. um, for, for for us, uh, you know, the last 18 months allowed many, many businesses around the world that were in more industrial and cyclical areas to uh, address Some glaring cost inefficiencies. Uh, Something that would have taken years uh, took a few months They were able to just cut massive amounts of costs. Uh, You know, Frankfurt Airport, for instance, reduced their expense structure by 300 million euros, something they would never have been able to do without the kind of the cover of, uh, you know, quote unquote cover of of this past 18 months. So what we're looking at is um, a whole host of companies that have reduced their cost structures and that have massive amounts of operating coverage. So as there is a recovery, whether it's six months from now or a year from now, the operating leverage means that the earnings growth potential is just tremendous. Mm-hmm. And the stock prices do not reflect that. So that's kind of where, you know, we find a lot of opportunity, but it does require patience. As I said, there's so much interference by, you know, by sort of the, the authorities that it's, you know, pushes the, the, the time frame a little bit further beyond, uh, beyond, you
3: know, Yeah. Like so let's, let's talk about some of those authorities, the fiscal authorities. I, who knows what's going to happen with the infrastructure and social spending package down on Capitol Hill, what it will ultimately look like, what the pay-fors will involve in terms of higher taxes. How are you operating with that uncertainty of what corporate tax rates are going to look like going forward into the future and how that affects some of the companies you'd want to invest in?
6: Well, we're U.S. uh, investors only partly. Um, We are global investors. The majority of our Exposure is global, and we don't have these tax issues like this kind of nonsense going around from in most of the countries we're investing. Um, so it only really affects our U.S. names, and in particular those U.S. names that are only U.S. focused. So the tax cuts that they had put in place many years a few years ago really benefited local U.S. companies. So ironically, <laughs> you know this will affect um, domestic. You know companies that are predominantly are domestically oriented in the United States, but that, the you know it's not going from twenty to forty percent. I mean it's going from twenty to maybe twenty five or twenty six, and or you know we'll see it exactly as you mentioned, Katie. There's we don't know yet, but um, that's kind of the scale of it. I don't think that's enough to really destroy uh, you know a business. Um, on the margin, it will impact uh, what they do with their uh, you know excess cash flow, or free cash flows. Right. Um, but I, you know I don't see a major. Uh, effect because
1: of that. All right, Correct. Abe, thank you so much for joining us. Abe Despande, founder and chief investment officer of Centerstone uh, Investors, uh, staying long this market here. And it's going to be interesting to see, Kaylee, when we have earnings coming out, A, what the numbers are, of course, uh, but B, what the guidance is and what kind of confidence some of these C-suites folks have in, in issuing guidance for their business.
3: Yeah, especially considering these supply chain issues. I think there was an expectation for most of this year that they were going to ease up in the fall, you know, in the months ahead. Now that is a much larger question mark. And how do you give any kind of firm guidance when there's still so many constraints out there on the supply side?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but on the flip side, I think analysts and investors are going to be really demanding of some guidance here 18 months into this pandemic. This is Bloomberg. <music> is october 1st we have three quarters of 2021 in the books as we start the fourth quarter let's check in on phil orlando chief equity market strategist and head of client portfolio management at federated hermes phil thanks so much for for joining us here you've had a consistent constructive view of this equity market where are you now as we start q4
7: well, Paul, as we talked about, I guess going back into the August period, we uh, the stock market was at record highs. We were up 20% beginning of the year, up 107% since the pandemic trough in March. But we felt that there were a significant number of Washington-related headwinds uh, on the horizon during August, September, and October. And we felt that the market was poised for a five to ten percent pullback during that period, so we reduced our equity allocation a little bit, raised some cash, went a little more defensive. Uh, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, the market is down about five and a half percent or so over the last month. Uh, we think there could be another shoot a drop here, given the. Uh, the, the, the state of play in Washington right now. So uh, I, I, I think we're just uh, sort of sitting tight and uh, watching how events evolve uh, in Congress and at the Federal Reserve over the course of the next couple of days and couple of weeks.
3: So, what would your re entry point be where you start to deploy a little bit of that cash and put it back to work in the equity market?
7: Sure. Uh, great question, uh, Kaylee. I, I think there are two. From a price standpoint, What we were looking for, technically speaking, was a pullback to the 200-day moving average. So in round numbers, uh, the 200-day moving average is is a little above the 4,100 level. From a fundamental standpoint, we want to get a sense that that issues have been resolved uh, or we're making progress towards that resolution. Now, I think we've got our hands on the Federal Reserve. Uh, Inflation is sustainable and i think the fed is now coming to that realization they're going to announce the tapering we think on november third uh... complete the tapering by the middle of the next year and then rate increases start at the end of next year we don't have any problem with the feds doing but when we look at fiscal policy um, we've got this continuing resolution that passed yesterday to keep the government running, but this debt ceiling issue is 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 still uh, you know very much an open question. We're very comfortable with the 1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill, even though Speaker Pelosi has moved the vote dates out a couple of times. The the big enchilada right now is is how do we resolve this? This five and a half trillion dollar human infrastructure bill, um, we've got to see that number smaller, tighter, better targeted, less debt, less tax increases and, and and that right now is a very open question and frankly that's what's going on you know with Speaker Pelosi and, and her and her members right now.
1: How concerned are you about this inflation that we're seeing throughout the economy? Uh, again, feels less and less transitory. Maybe a little bit more longer term. How do you guys think about that?
7: Well, we, this is you know you're you're preaching to the choir here. This this has been our talking point for the last six months. We thought the Federal Reserve had completely misread the sustainability of the inflation issues. Their argument was that once the procedural base effects, you know, rolled off in May, then inflation would sort of tame down. And, and in our view, there was, there was no comprehension of what the impact was on, on shelter, food inflation uh... uh... wages uh... uh, energy those prices were sustainable they were sticky and they were going to continue to force the core cpi much higher than the fed targeted we just got an update this morning august level for the last three months now has been three point six percent core PCE. the feds targets two percent and and it's now august not may so at this point i think the fed is is thrown in the towel and that's why the last two set of dot plots in June and September show slower economic growth, higher inflation. The fact that the Fed is acknowledging that and they're going to start to taper next month and start to tighten policy in terms of lift off from ZERP by the end of next year. I yeah. think that's exactly what they need to do. Uh, and so, frankly, we're comfortable that the Fed is going to make the right set of decisions. But there's one caveat in there, that there's a, a potential leadership transition issue that is looming. President Biden needs to indicate over the course of the next couple of weeks, the next month or so, what he plans to do with um, uh, uh, Pre- uh, Chair Powell's renomination and 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 three other potentially open seats on the board. Um, that is an issue that the market we don't have answers to, and and I think we need to have uh, some sense of where President Biden wants to go with that.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a tough decision for the president, considering progressives like Elizabeth Warren have made their feelings (laughs) quite clear this week. Warren saying to Powell's face she does not want him uh, reappointed for a second term. But then you have the moderates that Biden's going to need for any kind of confirmation, Paul, who would like Powell to stay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the markets don't like uncertainty. Hey, Phil, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Once again, we always appreciate your time. Phil Orlando. Chief Equity Market Strategist and Head of the Client Portfolio Management uh, Team at Federated Hermes. Uh, they got some money under management, about $100 billion in equity, $645 billion in total. So um, they know what they're talking about. And Phil mentioned uh, he's historically been pretty bullish. They pulled back uh, recently a little bit, got a little bit more conservative on these equity markets when they were pushing all-time highs. Uh, they have pulled back a little bit, but Phil thinks it could maybe even pull back a little bit more to give them an opportunity to put some of that capital uh, to work so they are a little bit uh, cautious here and otherwise a constructive outlook. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at P.T. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio.